Although she was more interested in music and the music makers than typing, she nevertheless thumped the keys at college, got her shorthand up to 80 words per minute, and as a stage-struck 16-year-old found herself employed as a filing clerk for British Insulated Calendar Cables, a company not even as exciting as it sounds. When she was typing, she sat by a small sliding window in the Stanley Street offices, where she could glance out at her world and dream. Sometimes friends would visit at the window. At lunchtime, Scylla would go to the cavern with Pat Davis, a new friend she had made, and was to keep. They were as inseparable as twins. Pat Davis was good at needlework and a wizard on the sewing machine and with material they bought together from John Lewis, she created their fashions. I'd made Scylla a green frock with orange accessories, and I'd have an orange frock with green accessories, said Pat, who in the 1990s was living in New York. She says of those early days, We didn't do drugs or drink. We were just happy with clothes and music. We'd meet at the cavern at lunchtime and plan what we were going to do that night. Scylla worked at the cavern every lunch hour. She got five bob, the equivalent of twenty-five pence, and a snack consisting of bread and medicinal-smelling tomato soup, for washing up and waitressing, earning extra tips for hanging up the coats. Later, American magazines would describe her as the hat-check girl at the cavern. It was ever so funny. People in Liverpool would only wear hats when they went to church, and certainly not at the cavern. Sometimes in the evenings, Scylla would work at the Zodiac Club, an all-night coffee bar, and resting spot for those who couldn't or wouldn't sleep, where groups returning from out-of-town gigs would sit around and discuss their performances. There was lots of jiving and rocking and rolling going on, and not just at the clubs. At the cinema, there was Bill Haley in Rock Around the Clock and Elvis in Jailhouse Rock. On Radio Luxembourg, the disc jockeys like Pete Murray and Jack Jackson were playing Little Richard and Chuck Berry. On television, programmes like Cool for Cats, The Six Five Special and Oh Boy were delighting younger viewers. American acts touring Britain included hitmakers like Bill Haley and the Comets, and, in a landmark for the Merseyside sound, a great boost to the aspiring music makers there, Buddy Holly performed at the Liverpool Philharmonic on the 20th of March 1958, around the time Scylla was leaving school. Billy Fury was in the swivel hip business, and so were Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. Their Please Don't Touch in the summer of 1959, a major development. Nine months earlier, Cliff Richard had won a hit and a giant audience with Move It. Cliff Richard is two years older than Scylla. She says that in those days, you either went for Cliff or Elvis, not both. Ever practical, she fancied Cliff, an older man, over Elvis who she believed would never visit Britain. She was right. She was also still the most ardent of fans. It was her own sometimes thwarted attempts at face-to-face -face hero worship that have made her a strong supporter of her own fan club. She's always willing to make personal appearances at their meetings.
It goes back to events like her first night out with Cliff Richard, or, more accurately, her star-struck attempt at an evening with the number one British heartthrob of the day. She's reported that after Cliff appeared at the Liverpool Philharmonic, she and a friend followed a taxi she thought he was in. It resulted in acute adolescent disappointment. In the cab were Cliff's grouped the shadows and a little Liverpool comedian called Jimmy Tarbuck. Cliff had already arrived at Tarbuck's parents' home. Her friend, Patty Abraham, says she recalls exactly what happened that night. Cliff drove off in a bottle green sports car, and you won't believe this. We jumped into a taxi and told the driver, follow that car. Sil was still.